Yearnings, uh, lessons we learn in life. <laughs> Hello and you're very welcome to episode 23 of the Journeying podcast with myself, Dee Duffy. Just myself here today. Thought it was time I'd check back in again. So for my second solo podcast, I was in touch at the start of January. So I just thought I would take the time to check in and see how January went and share my January and my thoughts and musings for this very interesting month, year that we're experiencing so far. And um, hopefully, yeah, a bit of entertainment as we go along. But what I wanted to pick up on, so I was kind of thinking back to, okay, what thoughts and ideas did I share last time? And on my last podcast, um, I was talking about my what I thought was unique and weird longing for a type of human hibernation. And I was saying that this winter more than ever, I just had this idea in my head of a human hibernation, but I am not on my own. Uh, Apparently this is a concept. So uh, I will chat a little bit more about what I found. Um, But yeah, it was just this idea that could we just stop pushing against the natural rhythm of darker, quieter days and just allow ourselves and our lifestyles to slow down with nature and take a break. And that's where I was at back in early January. And I had been thinking about that through the winter, like of just could we just all take a break? Um, But me being me, I wanted to get going again. And during January, I did try to reset. Uh, particularly with the idea of a lockdown. I was kind of thinking about the previous lockdowns where I had done well, particularly in the summertime of setting a nice, healthy, um, healthy mind, healthy body kind of routine for myself. So I was like, right, here we are again and I'll just do the same as I did last time. And so I started to push against the grain and start to get up earlier, like I did during the summer of lockdown last year. And it was great because I felt like I was able to gain extra time in the morning and to do like some personal morning routines like exercising and writing that just wouldn't have happened before. Um, I just wouldn't have had time in pre-COVID times. It was all kind of running here or there. So that was great. And I said, like, OK, I'll just do this um, for January and just do what I did before thinking, you know, just replicate it. And now when I say earlier, it was only like 6.45 a.m., 7 a.m. there in January that I was cranking the clock back to the alarm clock. Not early for like a milkman or a mother nursing a newborn, but earlier like than the slow routine I'd fallen into over Christmas. So that was my attempt to reset. And I did well. I stuck to it for about two weeks of January. But what I couldn't get over and it was just this, just really the the difference was so stark, the contrast in my energy levels from the summer last year. So same idea, getting up earlier, doing some things that would motivate me and, you know, make me I knew would make me feel good of doing um, some writing and some exercising. And it was just so different. It was like same time, same routine. Only this time I was heading out into darkness. You know, like so for those of you who are up and about at 6.45 or 7 a.m. in January, it was still just pitch dark. I don't know whether 2021 seemed even darker than than before. 
But yeah, it was it was it was strange. It and it just seems that that's what made all the difference because I I I am strong willed and strong minded and I can you know push myself when I need to, but it just felt like I was really having to kickstart my brain and motivate myself to be energized, um, uh, and and you know struggled. It was more sorry struggling to energize my my head and myself was harder than the physical exercise itself. And it became, you know, I started to realize it was the absence of daylight that was the missing factor. And no amount of artificial light could substitute that energizing natural daylight. I'm saying daylight because it'd be a bit of a push to say sunlight. I do live in Ireland. I am a realist and, you know, we don't wake up to beautiful sunny mornings, although we did have a lot of them last summer. But it's it's that natural daylight that was missing. And I I took comfort in returning to science to remind myself of our circadian rhythm rhythm. And I was just kind of looking that up a little bit more. And there's research that argues and, you know, this is what circadian rhythms propose, is that there are parts of our brain that are wired to be directly influenced by environmental cues and most especially by light. And so it's like our very biological makeup, our brains and bodies function better when we respect the natural cycle of our being. Um, So that was interesting. And again, we hear about circadian rhythms. We know about this, but it's only when you go back. And I think it's when you start comparing there's the theory. And then actually my experience adds up as well. Like I, I couldn't give it the same energy that I same exercise, same routine, but a different time of the year and my energy levels were, were different and that was harder than getting up out of the bed and just doing it. it the, the daylight was missing. So as much as we know this, it's it's hard to do this. So even though we, okay, so we've got a natural cycle so that maybe we, are, we should just move in time with daylight. But how can we do this when we have set up entire social systems around weekly and annual cycles of business as usual, regardless of the season. We don't change. It's still Monday to Friday, nine to five or whatever variation of that people live in. Um, And we don't really adjust that too much for the for the season that we're in. Um, And a friend of mine told me this week that she'd bought uh, one of those sad clocks to help her get up early during the dark mornings and those if if you're not familiar with the SAD or SAD clocks it's like light therapy clocks to help combat seasonal affective disorder that's what it's labeled yeah seasonal affective disorder and on the one hand when she said it I was like oh that's a great idea I should get one too like that's that'll help me get up in the morning but then on the other hand like when I was thinking about it you know thinking about this just a little more deeply about this issue of light um it's ironically sad uh, or how ironically sad it is that we have a capitalist consumer product for a capitalist problem. And maybe we should not be considered disordered to be when we when we find ourselves in tune with nature and natural light cycles. So like those of us that are in tune with that kind of natural uh, that we're not feeling the energy we're felt like or there's this idea of a disorder of a seasonal affective disorder but maybe it is our social structures that are disordered and 
don't adjust to accommodate the changing darkness of the winter season. Maybe that's what the problem is. And I was just thinking, like, what if we reduced our school and work hours in the winter to allow us to be more in tune with the winter season rather than labelling ourselves defected for not pushing against nature's rhythm? So, yeah, just a thought. Yeah, just a thought that brings me back to my, what I started, the idea of human hibernation. So I was driving along yesterday and I cranked up the radio when I heard, um, I think I was listening to News Talk Future Proof. Um, it was kind of on in background quiet, but then I just started kind of, you know, when you start tuning in a little bit deeper to what people are saying. And I heard this Professor Kelly Drew was on from the University of Alaska and she was hypothesizing, was posed to her and, and she, she said that it could actually be the case that once upon a time humans did hibernate and I was fascinated with this this is like this you know when I mentioned the idea of human hibernation it was off the top of my head and the you know just like thinking myself wouldn't it be nice but she was talking about it in another context in a sense but the, the interviewer did say ask her about this idea of was it possible and and she proposed it possible it was possible I don't think there's a huge amount of research but I did dig a little bit deeper and there is emerging research and some fossil based evidence to propose that it could be possible that we were capable of hibernating for long periods of time um, and I'm very attracted to this possibility and I was thinking what if we reviewed the calendar as per our geographic location, so in the northern side of the hemisphere, in our case, or my case here in Ireland. And what if we agreed, so say the month of January being probably that darkest, shortest kind of month of the year for us here. And what if that was a designated month of rest and restoration and gently eased ourselves back into a busier routine, busier routine if necessary, by February when nature is waking up too. So I just thought, wouldn't that be lovely? And most importantly, that no one was allowed to commercialise it into a consumer holiday of some sort that just ended up putting, you know, more burdens back on people to perform and conform to whatever new holiday was calculated on the back of this rest month. But that it just remained sacred and quiet, a slow month. I think it's a nice idea. But anyhow, it is February. It is spring. It brings hope. Um, I think I'm putting a lot of focus on the, the daffodils coming and I keep, I think, a ridiculous amount of attention on the new little daffodil buds coming. And even my kids are kind of looking at me a bit strangely as I talk about, you know, the daffodils are coming with that spring and kind of going overboard I don't know what I think the daffodils are going to bring with them how much hope can you possibly lay on their little heads their little bright yellow heads but anyway um, we just have to cling to what we can in spring 2021 and the daffodils are my my target or my lifeline but anyway it's it also brings another month of homeschooling to those of us harboring our lovely darlings at home during lockdown 
And I don't know how many of you needed to hear the knowledgeable Fiona Foreman of Weaving Wellness a few weeks ago here on the podcast, but I certainly did. And for me, Fiona was like that maternal arm I needed to reach out and you know, put her arm around my shoulder and give me a metaphorical, if virtual, hug. And let me know it was okay to just relax and trust my kids will be okay, whether I rigidly sit with them and follow the homework to the letter or whether I allow for flexibility and acceptance if we don't hit all of the school's Seesaw app uploads for a day or two. And it really was just a relief to hear that from somebody who's been in the schooling system for so long um, because you know, obviously every parent wants to do their best for their kids and you think the best is following, you know, the homework outline to the letter. But, you know, it was lovely to hear her say that that's not what school is all about. It's the social weaving and connections and community um, and that we couldn't possibly provide that to the kids at home. So what we can provide is just, you know, happy, safe, content homes with a bit of education along the way but that that's not the be all and end all so it really was a relief and a release particularly as I suppose I knew like I knew in Christmas time I had said it that we probably won't be back in school to March even before the official announcement was made I couldn't see the schools opening back up again so you know we were in it for the long haul and I wasn't because I think back in the first lockdown I think a lot of us well-intentioned parents kind of went full throttle on kicking timetables and doing little charts and organising every minute of every hour of the child's life. Um, and that's just not sustainable, not in a home, like when you're trying to work full time as well. Um, but then remind and, and knowing you were in it for the long haul to March. So it was, it was just nice to hear that reminder. So if you haven't listened to Fiona's episode and we have another month ahead of us of of at least of homeschooling I would definitely recommend that you listen in because I found it just helped me to just chill out a bit and God knows there are moments when we need that um but what I have noticed uh with my kids for better or for worse is that my kids are becoming even more independent in their own abilities so I'll tell you share a story uh, of my eight-year-old son so he arrived up to my room the other morning to announce and he was sheepish when he came in. It was He was a little bit proud, but a little bit sheepish um, that he had, he, he announced he'd made porridge for himself and his sister. Now I was only half listening on, you know, kind of get, getting started with the day until it dawned on me. He wasn't actually joking. Like, you know, it takes a couple of seconds to register what they've said and you're like, you made porridge so instantly then once the message landed I was like panic set in even though like he clearly hadn't burnt the house down I was still in it like but that obligatory kind of parental panic surged within me and I was just like you know once I realized he was serious I was like okay like what are you talking about like how could you so he was like oh no but you know I watched Nana Anne do it before and he said he followed her instructions uh, which was, you know, just trying to, as he started talking me through it, I believed he actually had done it. But even in my panic and he was talking about the process and I still stopped, which is kind of weird. I don't know what, it, you know, I was like, mm, but how did you know the accurate measurements of 
oatmeal. Well, he was calling it oatmeal, his words, not mine. And I was thinking, hmm, too much American TV there. Oatmeal. But it's like, how much, you know, how did you know to measure how much porridge, oatmeal to water and milk? And like, then I was only laughing at myself afterwards going, why was that important in that very moment? Uh, But anyway, allegedly he knew to measure it in a cup. Fair enough. Smart kid. But yeah, he... He went and turned on the hob himself and stirred the mix until it was at a consistency that he was content with or recognised. And he dished up breakfast for himself and his sister. And I actually, I didn't know what. I didn't know what was the correct response to this. And I could see him searching my face, trying to work out, was he in trouble? But he was recognised and there was a chance he was off the hook too because I was unable to hide kind of a proud admiration I was kind of smirking a little bit uh, because he had talked me through the whole steps that he'd done and he'd done it correctly and I don't know is eight too young to be self-sufficient in the kitchen and I'm only joking like of, of course um, it could have been a different story if anything had gone wrong but I was proud of him for taking care of himself and looking after his little sister too so Yeah, this lockdown and independence. So I settled with congratulating him for his efforts. But we have agreed he needs to wait another couple of years before he can take charge of the hob again. So he can stick to the Weetabix and cold milk for the time being. But yeah, that is but one highlight of homeschooling in lockdown 3.0 in my household. Uh, So I've either got an aspiring chef or an independent chancellor on my hands. But I, I was proud of him. Now, for every little highlight, there are probably at least 10 to 20 lowlights, but I'll try to keep the podcast relatively upbeat and we are surviving and my kids seem to be learning life skills and I'm learning how to chill out more. And that is a life skill I really need to work on. So homeschooling so far, so good, sort of. Depends what minute you catch me on. Okay, the last thing I would like to share uh, this week is a new arrival that came to my house this week. Um, And I've got to share my instant dislike and suspicion towards this new arrival. I'm just going to throw out my initial reactions to our new guest who has only been here for 24 hours and whom I may learn to trust and even rely on in weeks to come. But at the moment, I've decided I don't like her. Her name is Alexa and she's a compliant, subservient little gadget who instantly became the centre of attention in my home yesterday. And I'm not going to lie, a surge of possibly irrational negative emotions came to the fore. So what is my problem with um, Amazon's fun and helpful little gadget here to serve and make our lives a little more easy? Well, I have a few. I've been thinking about it because maybe it's irrational and maybe maybe I'll change my mind as time goes on. But at the moment, I feel like already she's creating problems in my house that weren't there in the first place. So one example. So the other half brought her home, her home yesterday uh, and along with compatible light bulbs. 
So she switches these light bulbs off and on, on command. So you can only imagine what delight and novelty this was. And she even turns the, the light bulb different colours. So I'd had an afternoon of listening to the family barking orders at obedient Alexa. And I'd had enough. And by the time I got to dinner, I ordered that my kitchen not look like a brothel and that the light should stay white, at least till we finished our dinner. Um, And I had to come down hard on that because I was so sick of listening to these orders being shouted at Alexa. And with that, my five year old just burst into tears at the thoughts of never having a red light in her kitchen again. Oh, and a red light district kitchen was not even in our radar the day before. So you see, Lexa's creating problems and family dramas that didn't exist before. So um, that's just kind of one thing that started to really bug me. And then I think I'm also perplexed with how quickly the kids adopted her into our home life. So earlier today, myself, the other half and my son were having a debate about, well, debate, whether we had enough time to get to the park to practice some hurling before the weather changed. I say debate, it was more like a heated battle of wills. But anyhow, it was a family affair. And next thing, my five-year-old daughter just skipped through the kitchen and simply sang out, just ask Alexa. And it took me a few seconds to register. What did she mean? Like we were in the middle of discussing whether it will or won't be snowing in a few minutes or in the next hour. And but my son copped straight away what she, she meant. And he smirked and turned to Alexa and asked her to confirm. Would it snow before 3 p.m.? And she bloody did pipe in on our family conversation to back up my son's argument that it would be snowing or could be snowing in the next 15 minutes. And he was beaming from ear to ear while I was looking on, still trying to comprehend, comprehend, like, who was this new entity interfering in my family discussion slash battle? And that's really very disturbing. Um, This felt like a new kind of voice in family discussion. So that's that was very weird. But I think I have arrived at what bugs me most of all so far. Now, bear in mind, this is all in the space of 24 hours. She only arrived yesterday. Um, but I, obviously, because I had to think about what was this irrational, you know, immediate dislike for this dynamic. And I think it is the f- female voice and name given to this helpful handmaid, which my kids have already recognised her to be their robotic servant, there to oblige their every whim. And she doesn't ask them to even use their manners. She will just do whatever she is told when she is told. I think this is likely what is bothering me the most so far. Them barking mannerless orders at a subservient, female-voiced, robotic handmaid is not the dynamic I want to foster in my home. So I had a quick search online to see if it is possible to switch Alexa to maybe an Alex, just to help me come to terms with the new guest. Now, while my quick research is inconclusive as to whether it is easy to switch to a male voice mode, it does not seem to arrive with this as a flexible option from the get go. So 
there seems to be a discussion around this. So I'm not the first to have been irked by this female servant in their home. But it seems that it was certainly designed initially just to be Alexa and a female voice. And I think they have been, from what I can see, they have been upgrading to to train it to a male voice. But whomever sat around and dreamt up this helpful gadget in the home at the get go could not envision or even conceive it as a useful function from the get go to offer it with a male or female voice option. Interesting, but not surprising. And I consider this uh, it's a major product design flaw. And I'm not sure how the next few weeks of her settling in period will go in our house. Uh, Maybe I'll play around and see how You know, can we get it to a male voice Um, just because the dynamic sits uneasy with me and I think we should have uh, both. We've also agreed that manners has to be used, that she's they're not allowed to use or demand any requests or demands or information from Alexa without manners, because that was particularly bothering me. But anyway. I'm not sure how long she's going to stick around. She might be quietly and discreetly plugged out and hidden away when the novelty wears off and they don't notice her uh, gone. Or she may be welcomed with grateful arms as I no longer find myself able to get up and switch a bloody light switch off all by myself, Um, which would be a sad case of affairs. But anyway, I'm going to give her it, it a go and see can we can we um, get a flexible male female option on it but anyway yeah that is life so far in lockdown for January going into February and okay I'm going to sign off and go for my little mental health trot around the block while I'm still willing to function like an autonomous human being thanks for listening and uh, chat to you next week <laughs>